watching this on whatever time zone and whatever continent um, that you're watching this. Um, welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I am your host, Emily Lint, and today we're chatting with um, Bumika Diwan. Is that how I pronounce your name? Is that correct? Yeah, okay, perfectly cool. fine. I didn't actually confirm that before, <laughs> so my dyslexic self was going, oh no, why didn't we? <laughs> why didn't we prep this? So, um, so uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Pleasure is all mine to be here. Great. And where are you uh, out of? I saw like Central European time actually on like one of your responses. So where are you where are you recording this from? So I'm currently in Netherlands working as a senior scrum master out here in Rabobank. Wow, Netherlands. That's so exciting. Um, I think there's the women in Agile, one of the women in Agile days, the European one is in... Um, Edenhoven um, in the Netherlands. It- <laughs> I'm the one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Cool. That that's really exciting that that you're that you're there. Um, how long have you been in the Netherlands? Uh, I think I stayed uh, in Netherlands for earlier from 2016 to 2018, two years then, and two years plus uh, now. So maybe four years, you can say. In total, I've been in Netherlands till now. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so what's, what's your, fa- I'm sorry, I'm really excited about the Netherlands. So um, <laughs> what's, what's your favorite part about living there? I think uh, the best part about Netherlands is that people have, don't feel the hierarchy and you can challenge each other more. So from an agile perspective, it's like the best environment. Like we say that the, <laughs> the environment is such that the upbringing of the people is such that you don't have to ingrain in them. <laughs> I love that. I almost it makes me want to think about a ranking system for like the mm. best countries for agile <laughs> in the Netherlands being up there. Um, it's like yeah, one of the top ones of like best places to implement agile is the Netherlands. So um. yeah, you can see a lot of transformation case studies even in safe if you see the world like INTRI, KLM, all you name it, and it's there from here. Or even like SP how do you say it like uh, the people who train for uh, scrum classes as well the maximum number of trainers even though the netherlands is a short like small country the trainers are quite huge in number like 75 or around 100 i don't know maybe yeah, it would well, be it would be it would be touching 100 pretty soon i checked it long back <laughs> <laughs> awesome okay cool well um thank you for uh, divulging in a little bit more of, of where where you're at and where you're from, uh, harnessing into my interest in that. <laughs> so um, uh, diving right in, how did you find Agile? So uh, I think my career was always about navigating from one role to another. And the, um, so I started with the developer, then became a business analyst, then became a pre-sale consultant. And the pre-sale consultancy was the first time where I was working in short duration projects, like because those assignments would be for short. And then there was a next project, which was also of the similar uh, capability. They were looking for a product management. 
and somehow it just clicked to me and luckily my organization at that time had this agenda of um, going into a child uh, by 2020 and they were looking people to who they can uh, groom and make it and there was some there was people like me who were ready to take up new challenges so that's how i got my opportunity in 2016 as scrum master first uh, like the official title but offline two three years back same idea i had started to take it great wonderful so kind of accepting that new challenge and accepting that new role in that space yeah, yeah. awesome um, so what have you observed about the role of women in Agile and the community over the years? I think uh, this was one of the spaces where you can see the woman's uh, empathetic side, which is normally not accepted in business sometimes, was highly appreciated out here. And I wanted to play on my strengths as well. So this was something where I was finding my home and there were a lot of uh, people uh, whom I can look up to and say, oh yeah, there is a lot of women who are leading the transformation journeys as well. So that gave me a pathway to look up to somebody and see the path that I could follow. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I totally noticed that too, is like it's creating a space for women to be in more leadership roles that are a little bit different from like traditional leadership roles um, yeah. and uh, creating a space for us to, um, you know, use that empathetic side, use that taking all considerations, our own set social networks that we have been raised to be pretty well at, as well as, you know, the way our brains are set up with multiple <laughs> connection points. Um, to be able to use that um, for the benefits of teams. So it's great that you've, you've been able to tell that too. Um, do you, have you noticed um, any differences between some of the countries as well that you've kind of gone in between in the role of women in Agile? I think, like I mentioned, Netherlands was the best. That's why I keep <laughs> uh, coming back for the transformations and everything. <laughs> but Europe in general is pretty open and direct countries, I would say. So they were pretty good and pretty uh, helpful during my transformation journey in each country. So no complaints out there. But then you can see uh, there are a few hundred kilometers change and you can see the change in the pattern of the way the people dress up as well. So that reflects in the behavior in the offices slightly. Some, uh, some people would start very early, some would start late. And that just means that some people are slightly, uh, you need to slightly modify your, how do you say, leadership style, your communication style slightly here and there to fit into uh, your roles and uh, how do you communicate your message so that they uh, take the transformation in a positive manner. Yeah, being internationally empathetic <laughs> to um, what culturally is expected um, around yeah. things like timeliness and, you know, when you come into work, how late you're supposed to stay at work. Um, I was recently speaking with um, an individual, I believe um, it wasn't Germany, it was it was somewhere else, um, but we were talking about international work, maybe it was Spain, but yeah. there was, um, they were like concerned about um, American influence at times because of they, it's not seen as a good thing that if you stay way later <laughs> in the day, 
because you didn't like manage your time well oh it was germany yeah it was like if they yeah. were like in germany if you, you're at least in the companies that they were with it was seen as like you didn't manage your time well if you were staying from like 7 a.m to like 6 p.m it's like then what what have you been doing like it's, you're not seen as overachieving you're seen as like you didn't manage your time very well clearly you know <laughs> or yeah. you inundated yourself with too much um versus in america that can be seen as like a very like yeah look at you overachiever you know <laughs> um <laughs> yeah you kind of have to consider that in your team management yeah and uh, i think europe in general have that tendency that they really value the personal um space and the personal life as well they give equal importance and you can see it in all the communications that you have it wherever you go great wonderful um so i think jumping into this you know we're going to talk about teams and communications and relationships so it kind of rolls into the overall topic that we have today um but you specifically wanted to talk um to to everybody and bring your wisdom around um greenfield teams uh greenfield um projects um that are then um on uh, those teams are formed to help with um and how those can be initial mvps for products so can you define for me and for the audience what a greenfield project in agile is so if there is a product that has not been yet created and if there is a uh, what do you say a spark of the idea that it might be sold out well in the industry and there is nothing similar to it that you have seen it then it becomes a greenfield project so the best part about greenfield projects is that you need people who are very innovative people because you don't see anything out in the industry so these people are uh, i I really loved working in the Greenfield projects and I was blessed to work in two of the Greenfield projects. They, uh, because the people have such an innovative mindset that you don't have to make them teach the basics, like innovation is the basics of doing everything. They already know it because they are they're working on the latest technology, doing the things which they might have to struggle with, navigate it here and there. So those kinds of people are very good to work with, I would say. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, uh, so I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into that experience. So what has been your role and experience with these types of teams or these types of projects? So uh, at one time I was acting as a uh, agile coach out there, helping them set up from the base what their product should be, helping them define the MVP. While in another, I was acting as a senior scrum master where the uh, MVP part was defined what needs to be there. But then the actual uh, implementation part was still left when I joined the teams out there. So I played, what do you say, both kind of roles. <laughs> gotcha. And what kind of industries are we talking about for these greenfields? So one was a banking industry and another was at, um, a TTH transportation industry. And those are very different industries. Yeah. Trust me. <laughs> Banking yeah. is all about regulation. You are talking about the numbers. If you make a falter, you are default at a different level. And transportation and travel industry, as it seems like uh, heavily nice, but then this was an idea that was a digital platform that could help them sustain during the COVID crisis as well, like how they can use the best of the resources from here and there that can help them uh, keep moving the lights go because we saw how the DTH was impacted a lot. 
Okay, gotcha. Um, so I'm curious about to Greenfield, like new products, especially in banking, because that's not usually something like finance, banking, government, right? Highly regulated industries, really hard to get, you know, new Greenfield products. Um, you know, what was some of your techniques there or some of the things that you saw around innovation in that type of world? <laughs> So uh, before even going through a uh, MVP, they were so pragmatic in their approach that they had to uh, go through a POC uh, proof of concept and check whether what they are thinking is actually feasible or not. So that was kind of uh, slightly, I would say, the banking pragmatic approach that was predominant in their mindset, but. It was still quick because within one and a half years, the uh, the product was like six months was the MVP. There was a POC that was done with two, three uh, types of things. And finally, one was selected. So within, I would say, from January to December, December was the time when the MVP was uh, done to the friends and family. And it got approved somewhere within one and a half years. So it was a quick one, uh, win from a banking industry perspective, I would still say. You know, switching gears now we've, that we've defined a bit mm. around greenfield projects um, and and really mm. products um, in this case um, those MVPs and some of your role and experience in those in some of those industries. You know, one of the main things that you wanted to talk about and wanted to give back to the community is really around customer relationships in these new products. Um, you know, and even speaking from my own experience, sometimes when you have a new product or you have a new innovation, you know, you're not quite sure who the customers are, <laughs> um, who's looking to get this new product. Um, sometimes maybe even like the product division that thought of the idea is very different from the development uh, place that has the, that's actually designing it. Um, and especially for MVPs, it can be really hard to, to start getting engaged and start the, the ball rolling. So with those new projects and products, What's the importance of establishing these customer relationships early? Oh, it's very important. So uh, you have to identify. That's why there was a friend and family launch that happened earlier, which meant that uh, you have a safe net of people that whom you can try with. Since this was a bank subsidy of one of the furnishing industry from Sweden. Uh, so uh, this bank, since it was co-bank or like sponsored by uh, that furnishing in, uh, a company. So you could pick and choose the people who might have given you an idea, like they could be your first stakeholders to try it. And the best way that you can do is like during every uh, PI events, which is like every uh, three months, they come and see how the product is developing. They can give you the feedback that how they are progressing. Because sometimes you would need the details from a third party is that third party uh, thing also working fine? Is that what they are looking for? Because you might need to do some scans, everything all like that. And if it's actually working, then it's a good go. So if you get a fresh insight and let them uh, have a work around or walk around your, or the way the teams are sitting. So if you have an area where the product is being developed and uh, how we, even the sitting arrangement was being changed for this uh, one. It was like everybody would sit in a, 
I remember in another bank, like how we did was like there was a space and everybody was like one team was sitting here and then there was a white uh, whiteboard that was that would be dividing between the next team. Then there was another whiteboard and you can walk around till the end and you can talk to any other team. The only thing that was dividing was like from both ends was a white wall. So you can just creatively draw something and then brainstorm the ideas and every sprint they uh, the representatives of the stakeholders would come tell what they want to achieve it and what is the feedback so they are involved early in the process okay great i think so so you've kind of given a few ideas around early insight of what people are looking for um early already engagement some of that transparency and then trust so starting to establish trust with your stakeholders and your you know with that mvp launch um, can you tell me a little bit about what you're talking about when it comes to friends and family launch for an MVP? So let's say I want to launch it in, uh, let's say I want to launch it in UK geography, but my company is from Sweden and uh, I'm a subsidy of a, a furnishing company from Sweden itself. And since I come from a consultancy company, I don't have a tendency to talk about the names of the customers. So that's why you would see uh, the references like these. I'm so sorry, guys. Oh, no, no, no worries. I think everybody <laughs> understands. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, assuming that you are from a furnishing company and you, are, uh, you have a banking company, uh, application that you're developing for a loan creation for that so how would you do it you can check with your uh, furnishing companies uh, people whether it's working as per their expectation or not because you define the mvp involving them only so is the application how they is it looking from mobile or from digital is it same as what they had uh, wanted it to be does it give you an idea Okay. Yes. No, it does. Um, so thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering too, um, what are some of the discussions that you've had to have with um, management or with leadership around getting early customer engagement? Um, what are some of the things that you've either run into both positive and negative? Um, so the good part about uh, both the companies, uh, like both the Greenfield project was since it was like a lot of money was being put and everything was there, leadership was kind of open for the acceptance of the ideas, how we can navigate about it. Uh, they also wanted to involve the uh, stakeholders quite early on. So every uh, three months anyways, we would be involving them and would showcase. In between, there would be some meetings with they would show the product uh, in a uh, in between as well when it was uh, a bit stabilized. So it it also takes off the pressure from the leadership also from whom uh, they are there. So if you sell it from that perspective that it's not on your shoulder, but then everybody is involved, you can get a direct feedback. Everybody is interested to take it. Great, wonderful. So we talked a bit about um you know, really what what's the most effective ways that teams can establish these uh, great uh, customer team relationships and what are some common themes that you see? So you mentioned the MVP launch, which is, you know, the friends and family launch and some of those pieces. Um, but what do you think about like the team's overall relationship with each other? What do you think is it? What's kind of the theme that's important there? I think both the teams, which I can still say that I can rely on both the teams like anything. 
they were the people who uh, since you are spending a lot of time with innovation and with the fun activities together you forget that they are just your colleagues you become your part of your friends as well so you would see that these people are kind of more open minded to help you support you navigate the new geography at the same time they are also there uh, navigating the geography together with you uh, so there is a kind of a bonding which is beyond the office working relationships it's not only your uh, some parties here and there but even if and i say that they are friends because if after 2 years if you can look back and call them and say, go out for a drinks not from a perspective that they are going to be helpful in any way but then just being there for you and understand you that's way i would say that you would call them as friends so that was like the key at least for me was that uh, uh, work hard party harder as a mantra <laughs> with both of the it also sounds like you know if we want to provide great communication and trust and transparency from our teams to our customers we have to have that tr- transparency that bonding that trust between ourselves like within our teams and 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 across teams so you know if we if we want to take an empathetic view to others we need to have that same empathetic view within our own teams um so kind of focusing on that as well I agree to you. Yeah, because if the teams doesn't have it themselves, they cannot. What you don't have within you, you cannot share it with other person. Kind of sounds like you know self love. You know, yeah, <laughs> you have to love love parts of yourself. Like love yourself before you can share that love with others. I, uh, you know, the meta of of it all. <laughs> Yeah um, so yeah kind of it's uh, something that way like if you have a trust and bond between your own teams then you can cascade it across wonderful cool um so tell me a bit too about the role of leadership in the this trust and this bonding and this communication uh what theme have you really seen around leadership or management I think the first is the team uh, leadership was always accessible it was not they were se- uh, sitting in a separate offices or anything that creates a bit of hierarchy if you can walk up to anybody anytime that is kind of the leadership that you would like to have it um, there was another project which was similar to it but that was not a greenfield project also when i am comparing and saying it all uh, three to four uh, transformations that i've seen have this the leadership when they can walk up to any time to anybody and anyone can walk up to uh, them that gives them a space to even think that they can go and reach out to the customers first of all secondly if you see the leadership is ready to accept the failures also and sometimes celebrate it also like okay fine we are in this problem how do we move ahead out of it rather than being like what do you say slap and stick kind of a method <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so if they are okay for accepting their own mistakes that gives a carrot that you can also take up your own uh, mistakes you can own it and from there you can improve it yeah the trust trust in in failing fast you know especially yeah. with new products you know you yeah. can, you might you might not hit the mark right away um and that's okay as cuz as you're starting to learn um but establishing that with with your leadership team and making sure that they're able to to understand and to see that um okay 
I think in just I would say it's like unsaid things of leadership created a psychologically safe environment that people feel safe enough to own up to what they are doing and uh, they didn't felt like a hierarchy obviously everybody was playing a role somebody was developing and somebody was just talking to get the requirement and somebody was just managing the stakeholders then people see each uh, role as being valued rather than one being important than the other okay um and i think on the opposite side of things what are some signals that maybe that customer relationship or the customer relationship team team to customer relationship is maybe falling a little short or not falling through and how have you corrected that in the past so if you start missing on your stakeholders uh and if you ask on the floor anybody what the product is all about can they explain it to you in two lines if they are not able to do it then nobody understand the product shared mission purpose yes. product vision, vision. <laughs> yeah so basically i always say like if i can explain something to a two year then i have understood the concept otherwise i have not understood so if, um, i generally check with multiple people if whenever i join anywhere what is the product all about can you explain it and then you know it how people have taken it gosha okay and when they send you like a project charter then you're like ah <laughs> no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that we have to fix it <laughs> and when you also see like uh sometimes the people uh would not be even comfortable talking in the retrospective then you know it like there is some problem either they are shy or they are just being uh, not speaking their mind that takes some time to dig deep gotcha and how have you corrected some of those things in the past when you've seen them uh i think generally if you give the people the option that they have the power to choose people start to feel empowered uh, themselves and if they are not feeling psychologically safe it may be because they are not comfortable with the senior leadership being around so i would request uh, everybody feel to uh, not be part of the retrospective apart from the people who are actually part of the team so they can have an open discussion okay so kind of starting with that um yeah. you know separating that leadership in case that's kind yeah. of the concern building on that team bonding building on then leadership trust so that you can kind of have this trusting front yeah to improve that customer relationship yeah and also having the team bonding activities more it just being there presenting myself that i'm with you part of you first building the trust with the, them and then seeing how it goes from there well thank you for all your wisdom um around this topic what are you doing for your own professional growth and i like to ask what's what's next for you i'm not sure what's next for me but because uh, i <laughs> i'm still uh, navigating that but what i always try to do is i've put myself up in front and see what happens like when i joined uh, last year robber bank there was uh, one community uh, being there and i just went to two three events and somebody said shall we organize a scrum master day we are around 300 scrum master in this organization I'm like why not i can be part of the committee so <laughs> i just present myself like if i can be helpful to you i'm here and that gives me uh, experience on working on hand and also uh, there are people uh, in the organization outside the organization which i keep reaching out as my mentors uh, 
uh, I'm struggling here. Do I need to take team coaching? Do I need to take something else? That's how I keep improving myself. And the more you expose yourself, it just gives you a slightly courage that you have done it. Great, cool. So um, not sure what's next, but there's a lot of mentoring, a lot of exploring and, and really just taking opportunities for you. That sounds yeah. great. What final wisdom would you like to share with our listeners today? I would say whatever opportunity comes, take it and just take Take it and just just don't be hesitant about it. The moment you feel hesitant, is it for me or is it not for me? Then just do it and you would get to know it. That's my mantra. Uh, because if you're fearful, you should definitely do it. <laughs> that whole if it doesn't if it doesn't challenge you, if it doesn't change you, or like get comfy being uncomfy. <laughs> you know, more it uncomfortable it is, you the more you should do it. Um, because then you are breaking the beliefs that you have it and which helps you to rewrite your own story in your mind. I love that. Con conquering yourself, um, I think self-limiting beliefs is yeah. one of the, is that, yeah, great. Um, well, thank you again for your time today, um, Bumika. And um, what time is it there in the Netherlands even? It's 7 p.m. in the evening. Oh, okay. This is not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so that, that, that's good. Not making you stay up super late. Um, I did an interview with an individual in Russia and it was like four in the morning <laughs> for them. Oh, and wow. I was like, why? <laughs> we could have adjusted. So um, no, that's great. Um, well, thank you again for your time today. And I hope you have a good rest of your evening. Um, and yeah, thank you for, for your time. Thank you for having me here. And pleasure was all mine. I hope people learned something from our discussion. And it was lovely catching up with you here. <laughs> <laughs> so I had all the pleasures having a nice conversation with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit and scrub.org. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. Go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find more inspiring podcast conversations.